Section eight of Autobiography of Phineas Pett by Phineas Pett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section eight. The Autobiography of Phineas Pett, Part four. The beginning of December, I had warning to attend at St. James upon the preparation for the funeral of our master, and had black cloth delivered to me according to the place I was ranked in above stairs which was a gentleman of the privy chamber extraordinary and the sixth day after being sunday all his highness's servants waited at st james upon his hearse then standing in the chapel to whom dr price then one of his highness's chaplains directed an excellent sermon his text being taken out of the third chapter of the second book of samuel the thirty-first verse in these words rend your clothes put on sackcloth and mourn before abner there were very few present at the sermon that did not bitterly mourn and shed tears in abundance the next day being monday the seventh of december we did attend his highness's corpse to the funeral in the abbey of westminster which was the most lamentable march that i ever went it was three of the clock in the afternoon before his body was placed under the hearse the lord of canterbury's grace preached the funeral sermon there with the body i burying all my hopes of my future preferments i came with an exceeding heavy heart that night to radcliffe where that time i lodged after the ceremonies of the funeral were performed i returned to my house at chatham where i stayed till the twenty-seventh day of this month and then being sent for by the lord high admiral's messenger to attend his pleasure i rode to london by land where i stayed till the end of december and then returned again to my house at chatham the sixth day of january i received a letter from the lord high admiral together with the list of those ships that were appointed to be made ready for the transportation of the lady elizabeth with warrant to put them presently in hand to be graved and fitted accordingly the eleventh day i was sent for from chatham by a messenger to attend the lord admiral lying then at chelsea which accordingly i presently performed and rode to london where i stayed full three days the lord admiral sitting every of those in council attended by the principal officers of the navy the masters and master shipwrights to resolve not only for the preparation of the fleet to attend the transportation but also for preparing many vessels to be put upon long boats and barges for ships and galleys for a sea-fight to be presented before whitehall against the marriage of the lady elizabeth the manner whereof concluded and ordered in writing i was licensed to go to chatham to take order for the disdain and sending up of as many long-boats and sea-barges as could be spared from the navy which having ordered i returned again presently to london and did there attend daily in overseeing these businesses which were put out by the great to diverse yard-keepers by reason of the shortness of the time limited for making them ready against the marriage by reason of this my continual attendance not only upon that service but also upon the admiral and sir robert mansell principally entrusted for the ordering of the whole service i first took a lodging at westminster near sir robert's house in st stephen's alley which i continued many years after amongst other vessels fitted for this piece of service was an old pinnace of the king's called the spy of the burden of sixty tons having nine pieces of brass ordnance appointed to serve as an argosy 
whereof i was somewhat against my will by the lord admiral's persuasion made to serve as a captain in which jesting business i ran more danger than if it had been a sea service in good earnest after the sea-fight was performed i was entreated by divers gentlemen of the inns of court whereof sir francis bacon was chief to attend the bringing of a mask by water in the night from st mary overies to whitehall in some of the galleys but the tide falling out very contrary and the company attending the maskers very unruly the project could not be performed so exactly as was proposed and expected but yet they were safely landed at the privy stairs at whitehall for which my pains the gentleman gave me a fair recompense the marriage consummate and these royalties ended the lord admiral gave me a present dispatch to post to chatham to make all possible haste for to make ready the fleet the prince being appointed to go admiral and to transport the lady and the polsgrave's person and the lord admiral to command her so that upon the twenty-first day of february i took my journey from london to chatham and about the middle of the week ensuing i caused the anne royal and the lion to be brought on the ground engraved on the twenty-seventh of this month i launched the small ship i had begun to build the summer before which the lord admiral was pleased to call by the name of the phoenix and was also appointed to be one of the fleet for the transportation being commanded by sir alan apsley then victualler of the navy the fifth and sixth days of march i careened the prince and might with much ease have brought her keel above the water but that i received a strict commandment from the lord high admiral that i should not careen her but within six straits of the keel to which purpose mr thomas aylesbury then his lordship's secretary was sent down to see me perform it about the fourteenth of this month the lord admiral very careful to have all things ordered as befitted the royalty of such a service came down to chatham in person where he stayed two days to direct all things according to his liking wherein i gave his lordship much satisfaction and by the end of this month i had by my care and diligence fitted the whole fleet to set sail to gillingham the first of april being maundy thursday the prince set sail over the chain captain john king being master the lord admiral being newly come to chatham came on board of us as we were under sail and went down in her to gillingham coming to an anchor at st mary creek's mouth his lordship lay at mr leggett's on easter day being the fourth of april the lord admiral with his retinue received the holy sacrament in the parish church at chatham dr pay was the chaplain to the lord william howard baron of effingham and vice-admiral in the anne royal preached and delivered the sacrament on easter tuesday in the afternoon the lord admiral with all his retinue removed from chatham and came on board their several charges at st mary creek at gillingham and lay on board in his own cabin this night so soon as prayers were done this evening and the tables covered the lord admiral out of his noble favour to me called me unto him and there gave me special charge to take my place at his own table all the voyage and would not commonly have grace said before his lordship had seen me set down except i had been upon some earnest business giving charge also to all his officers to let me have anything of his own provisions which i should send for at any time i lay in a settle bed on one side of the master's cabin 
Wednesday being the seventh day, at quarter flood, being about eleven of the clock, we set sail from Gillingham, the wind at south-west, a pretty fresh gale. The ship wrought exceedingly well, and was so yar of conduct, as a foot of the helm did steer her, we came to an anchor at Queenborough, a great while before high water, where we rode all that night. The next day, being Thursday, the wind south-west and a very fair gale, the Admiral had given order we should weigh betimes to get out, and accordingly the Anne Royal, being Vice-Admiral, in whom Hugh Merritt served master, was fitted and prepared for the purpose. Having one anchor on board by the time the ship was went up upon the flood, and was ready with his other anchor on peak, supposing we had been so provident to have our ship in the like readiness, but our master, willing to do his countrymen a courtesy, that lay by our side in a hoy with forty tons of beer of our provision to take in, neglected the time so long, being not accustomed to command such great ships, that it was more than half flood before we could get our anchor on board. By reason whereof, the tide running very strong, and the wind heartening in, it was almost high water before we were fitted to set sail, and our other anchor got up. The wind then having power on our weather quarter, and the tide upon the lee bow, kept our ship from flatting, and in the setting of our sails, many seamen being with us that were prime commanders and captains, attending the Lord Admiral as his retinue, had every one their voice in commanding and countermanding one another, that they bred a mere confusion, and put the master clean besides almost his senses, so that in fine the ship was put on ground, at the top of high water, upon the tongue of the spit of the sand, going into Creamborough, where, do what we could with all our wits and endeavours, she sat all the tide of ebb, and almost ebbed dry which unfortunate accident gave not only great discouragement to the lord admiral to have such a chance before him but also gave great advantage to the enemies of the ship of whom the lord northampton was chief to persuade the lady elizabeth not to venture her person in such a vessel that had so ill a beginning but rather to embark herself in some other and to return her home when we saw we were so fast as there was not hope of getting the ship off that tide I desired liberty to sound the place where she sat, which the Lord Admiral easily gave his consent to. I then calling into the boat with me some of the captains that were masters and mariners, amongst which I chose Captain Robert Bradshaw and Captain Gear for two principal, with others, and John Reynolds, then master gunner, of the ship, taking lead lines with us. We sounded both on head, stern, and sides, and finding soft ground and little difference in depth, we were satisfied that the ship could take no hurt if she had strength sufficient to bear herself with so massy a weight, as she had in her of ordnance, victuals, and other things in hold, and her masts and sails above head. With so much company, both of the mariners belonging to the ship and the Lord Admiral's retinue, being not so few in all as eight hundred persons, but God be thanked, the ship took no harm at all, and we, having sounded the depth of the same furrow she made in running on shore, we caused an anchor to be laid right astern as her dock, directed us, and so with little difficulty she was heaved afloat into the channel in the morning tide, so the great satisfaction and content of the Lord Admiral and general joy of the whole company 
for which we gave God thanks. The next days, being Friday and Saturday, we lay still to prightly the ship and take in such provisions as were wanting. The eleventh day, being Sunday, we weighed and set sail, and anchored for the night at the spits. Next day we weighed and anchored short of the long sand head. Next day we weighed and anchored middle of the channel. Next day anchored short of the North Foreland. The fifteenth day, being Thursday, we came to an anchor in Margate Road. The next day the Lord Admiral went on shore to Margate, where he lay three days at the house of Mr. Roger Morris, one of the four masters of His Majesty's Navy, and then returned on board. The twenty-first day, being Wednesday, the Lady Elizabeth's Grace and the Polesgrave, with all their train, came to Margate. There were embarked in barges and the ship's boats, and were received on board the Admiral, where they lay all the night. The twenty-second day, the wind being got easterly and likely to be foul weather, her highness, with the Polesgrave and most part of her train, were again carried on shore to Margate, and there landed. The twenty-fifth day, being Sunday, they were all again embarked in the barges and boats, and received on board the ships. Presently we set sail, and that night anchored without the foreland. The twenty-sixth day the wind shortened upon us, so that we were constrained to anchor in the midst of the channel in twenty-five fathom, being a windy, rainy, foul night. The twenty-seventh day, being Tuesday, was a very wet forenoon, but about eleven of the clock, whilst Her Highness was at the sermon, it cleared up, and the wind veered southerly, so that we weighed, both having fair weather and a fair wind, standing our course, quarter winds, a little before we made the land we lost a man through his own wilfulness. This evening we anchored under Blankenberg sconce, being very fair weather. The twenty-eighth day we weighed about noon, and anchored thwart of sluice, where came on board us with his yachts, the Prince of Orange, Grave Morris, with a great train of gallantry and followers, who all lay this night on board the Admiral. The twenty-ninth day we weighed upon the flood, and turned up to Flushing. Some miles short of the town, Her Highness, with the Palatine and most part of her train, were embarked in the barges and boats, being very fair weather, and was saluted with all the ordnance of the whole fleet, and landed at Flushing, where they were received with all royalty, and saluted with all the ordnance of the town and castles, and guarded with the soldiers and garrison of the town. Our ships anchored a little above the ramekins. This afternoon I went on shore to attend the Lord Admiral, and lay in Flushing, our charges being defrayed by the town. The thirtieth day, being Friday, the Count Palatine took leave of Her Highness and went post to the Palatinate. This afternoon I, with others of the Lord Admiral's retinue, took coach to Middleburg, and were lodged and billeted for our diet at the English house with him. This forenoon, being May Day, diverse of our retinue took a coach and rose to Campire, to see the island. This afternoon Her Highness and her train were received to Middleburg, with all royalty. The second day, being Sunday, the burghers feasted Her Highness at the town house. This evening the Lord Admiral brought me to take leave of Her Highness, and to kiss her hand. The next day Her Highness took leave of the Lord Admiral and his train, having attended her to the place where she was embarked, which done the Lord Admiral returned from Middleburg, 
in his barge on board the prince where he found such a multitude of people men women and children that came from all places in holland to see the ship that we could scarce have room to go up and down till very night which confluence of people lasted from the time we anchored at flushing till we weighed thence fourth day the lord admiral gave order we should weigh from flushing to avoid the trouble of people which accordingly was done and we fell down to cassant point where we anchored all that day and next night the sixth day in the morning we weighed with the wind at east northeast a fresh gale and very fair weather and this evening we anchored under the gun-fleet the seventh day the wind continuing easterly we weighed and set sail and by twelve of the clock we came to anchor at gillingham from whence i attended the lord admiral in his barge to chatham where he lay that night at mr leggett's house i found my wife and family all in health and gave god thanks for his preservation of us in our journey and safe return home to our mutual comforts sir robert mansell lay at my house on saturday morning being the eighth day the lord admiral went from chatham on whom i attended to gravesend and there taking leave returned back to my house at chatham at whitsuntide sir robert mansell was committed to the marshalsea upon some displeasure his majesty took against him by the instigation of the lord northampton where he was detained prisoner till the thirteenth june following he was released at greenwich in the latter end of july i received commandment to take the charge of new building the defiance being then in dry dock at woolwich old mr baker having the charge of new building the marona at the same time in the same dock with her upon which business i was entered the second august about the middle of august old mr baker sickened and perceiving his sickened was to death was desirous to recommend the finishing of the marona to me and to that end importuned me to ride to windsor to the lord admiral to signify his earnest suit to his lordship in that behalf which was willingly condescended unto and i had his lordship's warrant at the same time for it he deceasing the last day of this month and his funeral was solemnized at deptford the second of september where myself was present about the midst of september my good faithful friend mr sebastian vickers the carver departed this life and the twenty-seventh day of this month my second son henry departed this life at chatham and at the very instant my noble worthy friend sir thomas button then captain button alighted at my house newly being returned from the dangerous voyage of the north-west passage where he had wintered the sixteenth of october i escaped a great danger by the fall of my horse within one mile of dartford being riding to chatham the twenty eighth of october i was taken very sick going by water from woolwich to westminster to accompany the ordinary shipwrights and other of chatham to move the lord admiral about their pay being much behind hand i was forced this night to lie at the king's head in fish street whither i came from westminster on foot to have prevented my sickness the whole company having appointed to dine there most part of them waked with me all that night the next day accompanied with my brother peter i took oars to gravesend and from thence rode home being taken with a fit upon gad's hill with much ado recovering my own house presently taking my chamber and being dangerously sick 
from whence I did not stir downstairs till Christmas holidays after, which happened ill for my business at Woolwich, where my absence, through the careless neglect of the foremen, the workmen made wonderful spoil and havoc. The next week after I took my sickness and the news thereof, brought to London, came to the ears of the Lord Admiral, who acquainted his majesty therewith, whereupon I received two several letters from the Lord Admiral by post, and special commandment from his majesty to be certified the truth, and to let me know that, if I needed, some of his own physicians should be sent unto me, which exceeding great grace from his majesty, and expression of love from the Lord Admiral, was no small comfort unto me in my extremity. The end of this month my wife's cook-maid died in the house, and was buried on New Year's Day. The 7th of January I returned from Chatham to Woolwich with my wife and some of my children and family, and because my lodgings at the dock were not fitted, I lay in the town at the house of a widow-woman called Mistress Spick for the space of a month till the lodgings in the King's Yard were prepared and made ready. The 14th of February I began to victual all the shipwrights and workmen employed upon the Marona and Defiance at Woolwich. The 28th of March it pleased God miraculously to preserve me from loss of life by a fall on board the honour, which was only from deck to deck, by God's merciful providence very hardly escaping, to fall into the hold, which would have beat me all to pieces. The 14th of June my honourable and implacable enemy, the Earl of Northampton, departed this life at his house at Charing Cross. The 22nd of July, the King of Denmark came suddenly to Somerset House, unexpected. The 1st of August, my gracious master, King James, accompanied with the King of Denmark, Prince of Wales, Lord Admiral, and many other lords, came to Woolwich and went on board the Marona, then being in dry dock and almost finished, which ship liked them wondrous well. Here our King took leave of His Majesty of Denmark and returned to Whitehall. From hence, the King of Denmark took barge to Gravesend, being accompanied with the Prince and Lord Admiral. Sir Robert Mansell and myself were commanded to attend them. The 2nd of August the King of Denmark was entertained on board the Prince, riding at her moorings in the river of Chatham, the Prince of Wales and the Lord Admiral of England accompanying him, Sir Robert Mansell and myself attending. The ship was completely rigged, and all her sails at the yards, and richly adorned with ensigns and pendants, all of silk, which gave very great content to the King of Denmark. Yet it was a very foul rainy day. From thence they returned to Gravesend, where they took leave, and the King of Denmark embarked in his own ships. In the end of November all the workmen that wrought upon the Murona were discharged from Woolwich. The 6th of March, the Marona and Defiance were both launched out of the dry dock at Woolwich in one tide, and the 25th day of April following, they set sail from Woolwich, and the next day came to their moorings at Chatham. In May, the dock at Woolwich was prepared for the receiving in of the Elizabeth Jonas and the Triumph, who were appointed to be new-built, which ships were accordingly brought from Chatham, and were both brought into the dock the first and second days of June, and the gates shut again, and the ships shored. The 25th of July, the Lord's Grace of Canterbury lay at Rochester, and went on board the Prince, riding at her moorings, 
where he was entertained with a banquet of sweetmeats by sir robert mansell myself attending there the twenty ninth of august i removed from woolwich to chatham with my wife and family and the next day after my wife sickened of a surfeit eating too many grapes which had like to have cost her her life the ninth of october my wife was delivered of her seventh child being a son between the hours of ten and eleven o'clock at night the twenty-second day after he was baptized at chatham church and called by my own name phineas the witnesses were mr robert yardley and mr king godfathers and my sister simonson the godmother about the twenty-seventh day of march i bargained with sir walter raleigh for to build him a ship of five hundred tons which i procured leave for from the lord admiral to build her in the galley dock in his majesty's yard at woolwich towards which i presently received five hundred pounds to begin withal and the eighth day of april following i began to set men on work upon her the eighth day of april i brought a piece of ground of one christopher collier lying in a place called the brook at chatham for which i paid him thirty-five pounds ready monies the eighteenth day of april i was elected and sworn master of the corporation of shipwrights at our common hall and meeting-place at redriff the thirteenth day of may i bought the rest of the land at the brook of john griffin and robert griffin brothers and a lease of their sister belonging to the college of rochester the twenty-second of may i removed my wife and some of my family from chatham to woolwich in july sir henry mannering caused me to build a small pinnace of forty tons for the lord zouch being then lord warden of the cinque ports which pinnace was launched the second of august and presently rigged and fitted all at my charge and the sixth day we set sail with her from woolwich accompanied with sir walter raleigh and his sons sir henry mannering mr christopher hayman cousin william hawkridge myself son and diverse others the first tide we anchored at gravesend next night at the north foreland next tide in the downs where we landed and rode to dover castle in the lord warden's coach sent purposely for us leaving the pinnace to be brought in to dover pier with the pilot and mariners we stayed at dover till the sixteenth of august and then took leave of the lord warden and came to woolwich the seventeenth day at night towards the whole of the hull of the pinnace and all her rigging and furniture i received only one hundred pounds from the lord zouch the rest sir henry mannering cunningly received in my behalf without my knowledge which i could never get from him but by piecemeal so that by the bargain i was loser one hundred pounds at least the third day of december following died my brother cooper at chatham the sixteenth of december i launched the great ship of sir walter raleigh's called the destiny and had much ado to get her into the water but i delivered her to him on float in good order and fashion by which business i lost seven hundred pounds and could never get any recompense at all for it sir walter raleigh going to sea and leaving me unsatisfied this year of sixteen seventeen proved a very fatal and troublesome year unto me the fourteenth day of march i removed my wife and family from woolwich to my house at chatham she being so big with child that i was forced to carry her by coach and that very leisurely for that she was with child with two twins the twentieth of this month my wife's own father died at his house at highwood hill 
the fifteenth day of april my wife was safely delivered of two daughters at twelve of the clock at night they were both baptized at chatham church the twenty-second day in the afternoon being tuesday the eldest named mary the other martha about the midst of may i was sent for by the lord treasurer then earl of suffolk and sir fulke greville then chancellor of the exchequer and by them employed in a most troublesome business into the new forest in hampshire where one sir giles mompesson had made a vast waste in the spoil of his majesty's timber to redress which i was employed thither to make choice out of the number of trees he had felled of all such timber as was useful for shipping in which business i spent a great deal of time and brought myself into a great deal of trouble the sixth of november my daughter mary the eldest of the twins departed this life at chatham and was buried two days after at chatham the eighth day of december my young son phineas departed this life after he had lived two years two months and odd days and he was buried at chatham my dear loving wife sickened at chatham the twenty-ninth day of december and hardly escaped with life yet it pleased god she did recover the last of this month my brother simonson made himself away in the garret of his own house at ratcliffe to the utter undoing of his poor wife and children in the month of june there was a commission granted by his majesty to certain commissioners for the reformation of the abuses in his majesty's navy the names of which commissioners were sir lionel cranfield sir thomas smith sir richard weston sir francis gofton sir richard sutton mr john coke mr pitt of the exchequer sir john osborne sir john wolstenholm mr borrell and captain thomas norris the sixth day of july these commissioners came to chatham in great state having called to assist them diverse masters of the trinity house and diverse shipwrights of the river of thames where commanding also the masters and master shipwrights of his majesty's navy they went on board the prince and there publicly caused their commission to be read the officers of the navy being present which done they proceeded to give order for the general survey of all the ships in the navy with all their furniture and all other things belonging unto them in the which was spent a great deal of time for they returned not to london till the sixteenth day of the month after myself was commanded in particular from his majesty to give them the best assistance i could which accordingly i did with all diligence and carefulness which proved afterwards to the ruin and undoing of me and all mine the whole bent of mr burrell tending only to overthrow me and root my name out of the earth by his means procuring most part of the commissioners to join with him in his malicious practice so that from the time that he was settled i was sequestered from meddling with any business and all employments and privileges taken from me captain norris being brought over me and i forced to live as a slave under them the whole of the time of their commission undergoing many disgraces and contempts which i could not possibly have undergone had not the lord been exceedingly merciful unto me in giving me patience to submit myself to his will and pleasure the whole year of eighteen nineteen and part of twenty i attended altogether at chatham being employed upon the making of the new dock and other businesses under the command of the commissioners the reward of my extraordinary pains was recompensed with no other reward 
than base usage and continual counsels and plats to ruin me wherein they obtained the sum of their desires to the utter undoing of me and mine mr burrell and norris my greatest enemies the twenty fourth of january in this present year my wife was delivered of a young son at chatham who was the third day of the next month being sunday baptized in chatham church by mr pyham his name called phineas the witnesses were my wife's sister russell and niece hawkridge godmothers my nephews peter and william pett godfathers the nineteenth day of this present month of july in the year sixteen nineteen the great duke of buckingham lately made the lord admiral of england came to visit the navy then riding at chatham being accompanied with divers lords and sir robert mansell who in his being here used me with such extraordinary public respect that wrought me much prejudice in the opinion of the commissioners who ever after plotted to ruin me and to bring me out of favour both with the lord admiral and the king himself the twentieth day of november attending at theobald's to deliver his majesty a petition his majesty in his princely care of me by the means of the honourable lord high admiral had before my coming bestowed on me for supply of my present relief the making of a knight baronet which i afterwards passed under the broad seal of england for one francis radcliffe of northumberland a great recusant for which i was to have seven hundred pounds but by reason that sir arnold herbert that brought him to me played not fair with me i lost some fifty pounds of my bargain about this time the commissioners of the navy had finished two new ships built by mr burrell at deptford in his majesty's dockyard and had procured the king's majesty to come thither and see them and named the one the happy entrance and the other the reformation the fourteenth day of may in the year sixteen twenty my wife was delivered of her eleventh child being the last she had being a son born at my house in chatham the twenty-fifth day after it was baptized and called christopher sir christopher cleve and his brother-in-law mr samuel haywood being godfathers and my good neighbour mistress legget godmother the twelfth day of june this present year mr robert mansell being ordained lord general of the fleet for the expedition against the pirates of algiers by his great importunity with his majesty i was commanded to go in hand with building two new pinnaces for that voyage whereof the one was to be of burden one hundred and twenty tons and the other eighty tons for which i did contract with certain merchants of the city that were appointed committees for that business whereof sir thomas smith mr burrell and divers others of my great enemies were of the quorum but i upon some hopes of thanks and reward enlarged them to a greater proportion than my contract making the one wherein i was myself to serve as captain in the voyage of three hundred tons called the mercury and the other called the spy of two hundred tons wherein captain edward giles served and for that i exceeded the contract the unconscionable merchants and committees cast upon me all the whole surplusage of the charge to the value of seven hundred pounds notwithstanding i was forced to hasten the business and to keep extraordinary numbers of workmen at great rates and in a place where the provision and materials were nightly stolen and embezzled to my utter undoing whereof i never could obtain any recompense 
though to my great expense and charge i made means both to his majesty and the lords of the council and had warrant against the committees but was continually overborne by their greatness and malice the sixteenth and eighteenth days of october both the pinnaces were launched at ratcliffe where they were built and all expedition was used to rig and make them ready to set sail i preparing myself to my great charge to proceed in the voyage and to get the ships to erith because of ice in the river where we rode till we were cleared thence by the committees which was about the twenty second of december at what time mr punyet the pilot came on board me to carry me into the downs and sir john fern that went passenger with me to the fleet my wife also came then on board of me the twenty seventh day of december we weighed and turned down from erith into tilbury hope where we rode till the twenty ninth day and then weighed and anchored in the boy of the o's edge the thirtieth day of december i parted with my wife and sent her to gravesend in a light horseman that came to the ship with some provisions we set sail from the boy of the red sand the first of january being new year's day and anchored in the gore where we rode one day and thence into the downs where we landed our pilot we rode in the downs till the thirteenth day and then set sail and were put into the needles and anchored at the cows two days then set sail and the fourth of february we made the south cape the eighth day we entered into the straits of gibraltar and the eighth day at night came to an anchor in malaga road the nineteenth day of september sixteen twenty one we arrived in the downs and the twentieth day at night i came safe to my house at chatham finding my wife and children all in good health for which mercy of god i gave god thanks as did also my whole family all the year sixteen twenty two i did nothing but follow the court with petitions to my infinite charge and trouble and all to little purpose for i could never prevail against my adversaries who detained all my entertainment for the algiers voyage both for myself son and servants which cost me three hundred pounds setting out and the expense of the voyage i must not forget that in the beginning of the year sixteen twenty one before i was two months out of england through the malice of mr burrell and some of the rest of the commissioners for the navy that there were diverse master shipwrights of the river of thames and some masters of the trinity house sent down to chatham to survey the state of the prince amongst which commissioners was beside old burrell and his son my fellow stevens graves dearsley bourne thomas brunning of woodbridge and one chandler a creature of mr burrell's and diverse other mariners who maliciously certified the ship to be merely unserviceable and not fit to be continued and what charge soever should be bestowed upon her would be lost which they certified under their hands but the twenty fourth of february succeeding by special command from his majesty who well understood their malicious proceedings the self-same surveyors were again sent to chatham and under their hands certified that the ship might be made serviceable for a voyage into spain with the charge of three hundred pounds to be bestowed upon her hull and the perfecting her masks which certificate was returned under their hands and delivered to his majesty whereupon present warrant was granted to have the ship docked and fitted for a spanish voyage which was accordingly done and brought into the dock the eighth of march sixteen twenty three at chatham 
and was launched the twenty-fourth day of the same month about the seventeenth of this month of february i attended at theobald's the very morning that the prince's highness and the lord duke of buckingham took leave of the king to take their journey for spain being carried so privately that few knew of their intent at their taking horse i kissed both their hands and they only gave me an item that i should shortly come to see in the prince after the prince and the rest of the fleet were all fitted and prepared to set sail from their moorings the st george fell down to gillingham with the antelope being both appointed to go before to santander with the jewels and other provisions the noble gentleman my honoured friend sir francis steward commanding her whom my eldest son john pett attended as one of his retinue in that journey and captain thomas love commanded in the antelope the second of may being on a friday the prince removed from her moorings to st mary creek where she anchored thither came down from london many of the commissioners of the navy with sir thomas smith and the lord brooke who all plotted together to have hindered me from going the voyage which the king had commanded me unto but their malicious practices were prevented and their purposes frustrated the seventeenth day of may i took leave of his majesty in the park at greenwich and kissed his hand with many expressions of his favour which was not very pleasing to sir john coke then there present the twentieth of may the prince set sail from st mary creek and anchored at queenborough the twenty-first day we set sail from queenborough and anchored at whittaker twenty-third day anchored at the gunfleet twenty-fourth day anchored short of the north foreland twenty-fifth day we came and anchored in the downs where we rode till the twenty-eighth day of june having three several times proffered to go on but were still put room again but the twenty-eighth day being saturday we weighed and got as high as fairlight where we anchored all the flood and so plied to windward all the ebbs being fair weather on tuesday after being the first of july we came to anchor in stokes bay by portsmouth the twentieth day of august his majesty then lying in the new forest at beaulieu house embarked himself and train and came on board the prince then riding in stokes bay accompanied with marquis hamilton the lord chamberlain holderness kelly carlyle montgomery and divers other attendants who all dined on board the prince our admiral the earl of rutland being absent at london his majesty was very well pleased and after dinner again embarking in the barge lay hovering in the midst of the fleet till all the ships had discharged their great ordnance and then returned on shore at coldshot castle in the interim of our stay at stokes bay i procured leave of the admiral to go to london and the second day of august being saturday i met my wife at lambeth with my son richard there we lay that night and the next day took oars to kingston where we lay till tuesday following on which day i went to hampton court to take leave of my honoured lord and good master the earl of nottingham who then lay there in his old lodgings which was the last time i ever saw him being the fifth of august the next day i took leave of my wife and friends at kingston she returned home and myself to portsmouth on board the prince again the twenty-fourth day of august being sunday and bartholomew's day we set sail out of stokes bay in the afternoon the twenty-fifth day the wind taking us short put us into the grass at weymouth where we rode till the twenty-sixth at night 
and thence setting sail with the wind easterly on the twenty-eighth day being thursday we came to anchor in plymouth sound the second day of september being tuesday in the morning betimes we set out of plymouth sound and by contrary winds we beat it up till the ninth day following being tuesday we made the cape of ortegal bearing south-west of us the tenth day we lay becalmed and the eleventh day about two of the clock in the forenoon we came to an anchor in the river of santander the twelfth day it pleased god the prince and all his train came to santander and presently took his barge being there ready attending for him and came on board the prince accompanied with all the spaniards that attended him thither where we all joyfully received him after some stay on board his highness resolving to lie at santander town that night where provision was made to entertain him and his train he took his barge to go back wherein too we being overjoyed with his safe arrival forgot to send either master pilot or mariner to conduct him to the town being a dangerous rocky way and the tide of ebb bent which runneth there with a very swift stream which had likely to have proved a very dangerous accident for that in an instant of embarking there arose a very great tempest of rain and wind and darkness withal so that the barge could not possibly row ahead the tide whereby she was in great danger to have been driven to sea out of the harbour's mouth to the utter loss of all in her had not god in mercy prevented it by the vigilant care of the captain and officers of the defiance sir sackville trevor being the commander who seeing the danger they were in veered out casks and boys with lights fastened unto them by small warps of which they taking hold were rowed and hailed on board the ship where the prince with all his train were entertained and lodged all this night the weather proving so stormy and rainy that no provision from any other ship could be brought unto them the thirteenth day being saturday the prince came on board his own ship and lodged in his own cabin the fourteenth day being sunday the prince feasted all the spaniards that accompanied him to the waterside the cardinal zapata and his brother who was a grandee being the chief with gondomar and divers others of the king of spain's servants whom he feasted with no other provisions than such as we brought out of england with us stalled oxen fatted sheep venison and all kinds of fowls and other varieties in abundance wanting no ordnance to welcome them withal loudly speaking every health but it was a very foul rainy day notwithstanding at their going from the ship all the ordnance was discharged in our ship all the rest of the fleet following in order as they passed by to the town of santander the rainbow wherein sir henry palmer commanded as captain and john king one of the four masters being master by neglect of following the admiral could not get within the river's mouth but was forced to leeward where she rode three days and nights in such extremity as every hour it was expected when she should drive upon the shore which she hardly escaped by god's great mercy and upon the tuesday after came safely off and anchored under the prince's stern on thursday being the eighteenth of september we set sail out of santander river the wind somewhat southerly from whence we beat it to and fro with contrary winds till the twenty-sixth day after being friday at which time a little before noon we had sight of Scilly, which bore north-east of us about some eight leagues off 
this day we met four dunkirk men of war very well fitted chased by holland men of war whom the prince caused to come to leeward and their commanders to come on board whom his highness laboured to have accepted a peaceable course which the hollanders durst not accept whereupon they were dismissed the dunkirkers having liberty to have the start of the hollanders which many disliked saturday all day we plied to and fro and got within some four leagues of the islands the wind at north-east but fair weather on sunday a council of war was summoned wherein was principally propounded his highness landing upon the island of scilly in the ketch some pilots of the island being come off unto us but it was generally protested against under all the council's hands and so were dismissed to the charges but after supper beyond expectation order was given to make ready the long-boat and to call the ketch and the prince made choice of all the company should accompany him on shore and so about one of the clock after midnight with great danger to his highness's person and to the lord duke of buckingham they were put into our long-boat which was veered astern by a long warp where the ketch laying the long-boat on board and the sea going somewhat high they entered the ketch disorderly without regard to any but every one shifting for themselves being all shipped the ketch was so overburdened that she could make but little way so that after we had taken farewell with the discharge of a volley of our great ordnance we tacked into the sea and left the ketch to ply into the island which she safely gained by seven of the morning and had landed the prince and all his company on st mary's island the next morning our admiral advised with me what course we should take with ourselves for the prince had commanded sir henry mannering who was captain under the admiral and sir walter whiting the master of the ship to attend him in the ketch i being left purposely to supply both their places in their absence after serious consultation with the master's mates and two pilots of the island who all assured us we might safely go in the admiral resolved on that course and after two or three boards we laid it in quarter winds and came to an anchor in the best of the road about two of the clock afternoon the prince and all his train standing upon the lower point of land and welcomed us in as we passed close by with much expression of joy and heaving up of their hats the prince and his train lay in the castle four nights on friday morning being the third of october we set sail out of scilly and on sunday following being the fifth day we came into st helen's and anchored on no man's land and shipped the prince and his train into our long-boat and other ships boats who were safely landed at portsmouth about eleven of the clock we taking our farewell with discharge of all our great ordnance seconded by all the fleet with general thanksgiving to god for our safe arrival to the joy and comfort of all true-hearted subjects End of section eight.